Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to another episode of the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. The most common cancer worldwide is lung cancer, accounting for nearly 2 million deaths each year. Joining us today to tell our story of stage 4 lung cancer is JJ from Ontario, Canada. JJ doesn't want us to use her real name, so we won't. Her cancer had metastasized to her bones, spine, hip, ribs, chest, legs, and also to the lymph nodes. JJ, how are you feeling today? Uh, Today, I am feeling wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Perfect. Great. Now, tell us about November 3rd of 2019, the day you ended up in the emergency room and got your diagnosis. Mm Hmm. Well, the night before I had been out at a concert and then I woke up the next morning unable to breathe. Um, It had felt like somebody had put a vice around me and was just, you know, cranking it closed, um, just squeezing on my chest. I just couldn't breathe. Um, And I brought myself into the hospital uh, for the second time in three days uh, because I had been there previously on Halloween night with shortness of breath. Um, that they had just kind of, they did a lung x-ray and um, did a couple of breathing exercises with me and just ended up sending me home with a prescription for prednisone and some puffers and things like that. Um, And then again, I was back a couple days later and (laughs) just unable to breathe. And they had a hard time kind of pinpointing anything wrong with me. Um, And I had told them that, you know, they would... They should probably look at the x-ray that I had done a couple of days previously, which they did. And then finally, when he looked at that, he thought it would be a good idea to send me for a CAT scan, which then uh, revealed um, the cancer that was kind of everywhere at that point. (laughs) Did you know prior to that that something was seriously wrong with you? I kind of had a feeling... um, I actually had a lot of symptoms starting as far as uh, April 2019, Um, you know, months before I had been to the hospital several times in in and out of the emergency room and to my family doctor with pain that presented in different places in my body, um, which which made it hard for them to pinpoint what was going on with me um, because the pain was constantly moving around. But yeah, they just... Uh, weren't able to pinpoint anything, but I kind of had a feeling that there was something going on. But of course, that's not something mm-hmm. that anybody wants to know or hear. <laughs> right. So, JJ, when you had that pain, um, and you would go, you know, to the doctor with it, where was the pain then? Was like it in your bones or what? It, it was a deep bone pain. Yeah, it started where I thought I had pulled my rhomboid muscle in my back. Um, so the pain one time was kind of in my back where I felt like somebody was stabbing me with a sword. Um, and then there were times where I would wake up and I couldn't walk cause my hips were so sore in my leg. Um, so I, like I couldn't even walk. Mm. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. JJ, when you were in the hospital, you expressed disappointment with your doctors. Tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, 
like it started off with, you know, having gone to the hospital since April uh, several times with all this pain that, you know, and, and them constantly sending me home telling me that there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and then just the kind of care that, well, if you could call it that, um, that I've had, I haven't been overly um, thrilled with. Um, I have been, you know, using cannabis and they're not very receptive to that. Oh, did they so, know you were, you were using cannabis? They know. Mm -hmm. do, do they care? <laughs> yeah. Not really. Um, they just kind of brush it off. So I've brought it up to them several times and they just literally do not seem to care. Yeah, you're almost a leper, aren't you, when you have when you consume cannabis in front of a, a not in front of, but when a medical doctor knows that you consume cannabis, they just don't want to know about it. Uh, yeah, they treat you differently. Mm -hmm. I think it's because they don't know about it. Yeah. So I think they have a hard time dealing with it because they're uninformed. Now, when you were consuming cannabis, were you a smoker or how did you consume it? I had been a smoker for most of my life. Um, I mean, cannabis was a very normal thing in my household. Uh, my mom smoked for years and um, and I always had, but I never like used cannabis intentionally as a medicine until I was diagnosed. And I started doing that uh, in December of 2019, like a month after I was diagnosed. JJ, I chuckled uh, reading your blog when you said that uh, your husband didn't want you smoking on wedding day because he didn't want you high. <laughs> I know. It's funny because I'm like, I've been high every other day that you've known me. But <laughs> this day wasn't okay. But I kind of understood and I respected, you know, that yeah. that's what he wanted. So, but and I was surprised at how easy it was to to give it up. Now, when you got your diagnosis, your oncologist said you had six to 12 months to live. How were mm -hmm. you dealing with this emotionally? Well, um, <laughs> that was very hard news to get. Um, and especially over the phone. Um, I had actually, when he told me that I kind of sat with that information for, for 24 hours, I didn't tell my husband or anybody, um, that <laughs> that was the prognosis that I was given. And I kind of, um, <laughs> spent that night in disbelief and ended up uh, kind of praying a little bit, which is not something I would normally do, but uh, kind of spoke to uh, some, you know, people that have passed over um, and asked them for help. And um, oddly enough, the next day I, I got a call from my oncologist telling me that uh, the cancer that I had had a rare mutation um, that had a much better outlook, a much better prognosis than the six to 12 months that I was given. So it was a gene mutation that you, you had. Is yeah, that right? it ended up coming back that I had an ALK, uh, ALK positive fusion mutation, which is something that only presents in three to 5% of non-small cell lung cancer patients. Um, so I ended up with this mutation which they have a kind of targeted treatment for. It kind of seems to be the big thing in cancer treatments. Um, after immunotherapy, they have the targeted treatments. Um, so, and it's supposed to help just kind of stop the cancer from progressing, just kind of keep it at bay. Now, at what point in your journey did you know that 
you're going to be okay. Hmm, interesting. Um, well, I, I, honestly, um, it was just from day one, from the moment I got that phone call, like I just really wasn't willing to accept that that was going to be my fate. Um, when the doctor told me, you know, six to 12 months, I just protested. <laughs> um, mm. I was just not accepting of that. Um, and I just refused to accept that as my fate. So I just started to take matters into my own hands and, you know, go, go down a few rabbit holes and do some research. And that's how I ended up here. I thought <laughs> what was really interesting in reading your blog is, is that uh, you found, you went for a walk and found a $100 bill. Yeah. 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 Um, I was kind of, uh, it was right in the very beginning. And um, after I'd come out of the hospital, I was spending a lot of time in bed. I was in a lot of pain. Everybody's like, I'm sick. I need to lay down and be taken care of. And um, I was doing that for a while. And I kind of got really sick of that. And I was, you know, looking around my four walls thinking, is this it? This is going to be the rest of my life. And I would just again, wasn't willing to accept that. So I was listening to something online that kind of motivated me to get up and out. And I went out for a walk and I was contemplating what my fate was going to be and if I was going to be okay. And uh, that was kind of a question I was asking myself when I looked down and found this $100 bill. (laughs) So I kind of took that as a sign that everything was going to be 100% okay. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. No. So you went through the ordinary, the, the, the treatments that they wanted you to go through? Well, they told me that, um, that my, the cancer is like inoperable, incurable, um, and treatable. That's what they told me besides this medication that will just, you know, keep it at bay, keep it from progressing any further. So, I mean, that's what they had told me. And did they give you a prognosis of how many years you had? Um, they said that I could be looking at um, like 50% of people live for five years. So that was kind of my improvement on my prognosis. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. went from six to 12 months to uh, a 50% chance of living for five years. Mm-hmm. And I'm here two and a half mo- uh, years later and I'm like, feeling better than I've felt in my whole entire life. What is the status of your cancer right now? Um, I'm just stable. Every time I go in, they just tell me I'm unremarkable. So apparently that's something you want to be in the cancer world. Um, But initially, um, after starting the cannabis treatment, and I started the cannabis treatment before I started um, the conventional treatment that they're giving me, um, I had shrunk my tumor by half and uh, had a huge reduction in the lymph activity and uh, had healed most of the metastasis in my bones. Like they told me that I was showing scarring on my bones and I asked them directly, does scarring indicate healing? And they said, well, yes, it would have to be. So JJ, when you said you started your cannabis healing, can you explain to listeners what you did? Um, like what, what the, how, how I was using the cannabis? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I started. Um, so I ended up seeing the documentary Weed the People on Netflix, um, which is what is which is how I learned that you could use cannabis at, as a treatment for cancer. Like, I honestly had no idea. Um, 
And then uh, I went down a few more rabbit holes and I ended up watching Run from the Cure, uh, the Rick Simpson story. And that's when I realized that it was like RSO was what I needed to do. And then I was able to find some online uh, locally. Now I didn't know what I was getting and I didn't know if it was going to be good or uh, if it was going to work. And um, I just remembered Rick Simpson saying on his documentary that if you, if it gets you high, it should work. So um, I I tried it and like it was the time where I wish I had a cannabis health coach because I made all the rookie mistakes and I took too too much my first time and had a really bad time. <laughs> did you do it all orally or did you do rectal dosing as well or I started out uh, doing with the oral doses um, doing it that way but I am now currently on a suppository regimen with RSO as well. Corey, I think uh, in the past you've said that lung cancer you've had the greatest success with. I've had more success with lung cancers than any other. Is it because of suppositories? I think so. You know, for the longest time I would say, I don't know why, but lung cancer patients respond really well to suppositories. And then I had um, a naturopathic physician call me up and she wanted to send a few patients my way. And we just started falling into this conversation. And apparently the lung and the colon are on the same meridian. There's a direct connect there, actually, colon, lung, brain. That's why often you'll see lung go to the brain. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And then we had that interview uh, well over a year ago with Rosadar. Uh, Boshadar. Boshadar. God, I mm-hmm. always get his name wrong. And he was saying that uh, suppositories are 250 times more effective. For C- the concentration of uh, THC is 100 times stronger rectally, and the CBD, CBD. concentration 250. Right. Wow. Yeah. So JJ, you're on the right path. Well, yeah, because I figured I needed to change up my protocol because it wasn't like I still am, you know, presenting with cancer and we want to change that. So um, and I even though when I first did the the Rick Simpson protocol, like I, I, I didn't I wasn't able to follow it directly um, just because getting to that gram a day was just a lot for me. Um, and like I still had to like take care of my family and, and all my day to day stuff. So I only got up to probably about 200 milligrams of THC uh, for several months. Um, it took me a long time to work up to one gram. Yeah, it, it, it uh, you know, you, you have to adapt to it. Your body has to adapt <laughs> to it. And I think uh, everybody's different. Everyone thinks that uh, that we should all react the same way and we don't. Yeah, we're all different. Uh, I mean, Corey's told the story many, many times that she never got up to a gram a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Corey can't do it, then who the hell can? <laughs> yeah, but I was having great success you know, with what I was doing. So I wasn't complaining at all. Like it was just having tremendous benefits for me because it wasn't just the cancer that it was helping with, but it helped me to quit smoking. Uh, it helped me to quit drinking it, you know, helped my emotional state in the beginning with the anxiety and the depression, you know, that's associated with the diagnosis. Like it just, it just helped me so much. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> now tell me about the, your decision, uh, not to tell your son who was 10 years old at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was kind of like a last minute audible on the play. Um, it was just when he walked into the room at the hospital, uh, when it came time for me to share the news, I just, I don't know, just something could, I couldn't do it. Um, I just didn't want him to be a part of this journey. Um, and so I just decided not to tell him and I, um, shared that with my family and friends and they jumped on board with that with me and they still are and they're all very supportive I know it's hard um for them to you know kind of keep the secret and but it works out better I mean it's just I don't want all of this negativity in the universe so I figured the less people that are talking about it the better off I'm gonna be yeah does he see a difference in his mom now I think his all the difference that he sees are probably improvements because yeah. my health has improved dramatically and, you know, not being a drinker, I am a much better parent. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think if anything, he's seeing improvements. So I'm hoping to get to a point where I have uh, rid myself of this disease so that I can share with him uh, that story then. Yeah. Were you a big drinker? Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say I wasn't, but I was a high-functioning alcoholic, yeah. And you smoked cannabis. Do you still smoke? Uh, I do not, no. I gave up all things that create hot smoke on my lungs that di- very day that I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do uh, vaporize cannabis. Um, uh, I do do that, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the it's, oil that you take, is it a multi-strain oil or single strain? Yes, multi-strain. I, I've learned from uh, listening to uh, you guys and, and others. And I, because when I initially first started to learn how to make my own oil, I had only used like the one or two, um, you know, chemo bars I had kicking around. But I uh, now I, I grow and I grow as many varieties as I can. And I try to mix it up with as many varieties in my oil as possible. Do you grow uh, both indoors and outdoors? I do, yes. Yes, I have. Uh, I got my uh, grow license so that I could uh, increase the amount of plants that I was growing. And yes, we have a we have our setup inside that we do uh, in the in the summer months. Or well, we do mostly do outdoor in the summer and then indoor in the winter. Yeah, we've uh, we've got to do a show, Corey, on uh, on growing cannabis, both indoors and outdoors. I think that would be valuable for people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned that before. Yeah, we just got to find someone who uh, is willing to do it, who's knowledgeable in that area. So if mm-hmm. anyone if anyone listening is knowledgeable yes. about growing, then uh, just let us know. Your mental attitude uh, seems to have. Um, improved considerably knowing that you were given a death sentence and now you see um as the doctors describe it unremarkable improvement yeah right <laughs> i think i mean, I think it's remarkable improvement but it just, yes i i would agree with you on that for sure <laughs> jj did you change your diet at all when you got this diagnosis i did yes um I did it slowly and gradually, um, but the like the first kind of things I tried to do was eliminate all the toxic substances from my life. So that was 
food and things I put on my body and in my body. Um, I try to eliminate all that. So I changed my diet a lot. Now I'm predominantly 99% vegetarian. Um, and I'm, uh, very conscious of my sugar intake and, um, I never really consume much dairy, so I wasn't really concerned about that. But yes, I did change dramatically and I'm mostly organic now as well. Boy, your life has flipped around, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it has. Yes. Complete, complete 180. Yes. I think, I mean, in a situation like mine, I think that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Did, did you do supplements as well? I do. I do. I, I, I do have a herbalist background myself. So I definitely um, have a lot of herbs that uh, I, I use to support my health. I use a lot of mushrooms. Um, and like dandelion, milk thistle, wormwood, uh, burdock, things like that. Um, yes, I love my herbs. <laughs> I think. Uh, How much oil are you doing a day? Um, so I'm doing the suppositories, which are about 125 milligrams, and then I'm doing some RSO throughout the day, um, which is probably probably another 200 milligrams and then the vaporizing of the cannabis throughout the day. And I also um, consume raw cannabis capsules um, for the THCA and I've made a THCA oil as well um, that I consume. Have you ever thought about trying to raise the amount you're doing in a day? Um, I have thought about it. Yes. I'm just wondering if you're, you know, seeing the success you are on the level you're at, if there would be an even more significant impact if you did a bit more. Just, you know, just wonder if that would be the case. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that makes sense. And I, I have been feeling like maybe this is the next route. Like I'm doing this suppository regimen right now. Like I just did a, I just did a three months tolerance break as well that I started in November until, until January, just to kind of reset my endocannabinoid system. Um, and then, yeah, and I have upped what I'm taking, but I am, cause I know they say, you know, not everybody requires, you know, the gram a day or whatever, but some people do and some people require more and I might be one of those people. So I would tend to say more for you just because of, you know, how, how established it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be something I'm going to need to do. But, you know, also, just for listeners who don't know, that gram is just a guideline, that gram a day. Some people need more, some people need less. And mm -hmm. all in all, a gram is enough to take care of most cancers. That said, I've participated in clearing a ton of people who didn't get to a gram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, every, every, as, you know, Ian was saying, everybody's different. So. Exactly. How many cannabinoid receptors does that person have? How damaged is their body from treatment? You know, all of that plays a part as well. Exactly. So do you, so you do cannabis in some form three times a day? Is that correct then? Did I get that right? Because you're doing the suppositories, vaping, and uh, rectal do or oral dosing yep. during the day? Yeah. So basically works out to about three times a day. Yeah. Okay. How does your husband feel about uh, his new wife? <laughs> he, 
He, um, well, um, the, you'd have to ask him that. <laughs> um, I know he's very like, he's proud of me and the work, you know, that I've done and how, and how much uh, the dedication I put into changing and healing. So I know, I know that he's proud of that. So, um, but I am a different person. There's no question. Uh, I ask my friends all the time, like, am I still like, okay, like, am I still cool? Am I still fun to hang around with? <laughs> have I changed that much? Um, and they all say I'm still cool. So that's all right. I'll take it. Well, I think you've done uh, remarkably well. And one of the things that you've done, which a lot of people are reluctant to do, is change your diet. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you see the amount of sugar that people consume yeah. in processed foods today, um, it's no wonder so many people are sick, unhealthy, and develop diseases like cancer, which feeds of on sugar. Couldn't. And yes, I, uh, I, I think uh, you have, from what I understand, based on our discussion today, you decided that this disease wasn't going to get you. You were going mm-hmm. to do everything within your power to combat this disease and eradicate it from your body. And I think you're well on your way to doing that. And I applaud you for it. I think uh, it's remarkable that uh, you have this gene mutation which has given you cancer. And um, I think five years from now, if you followed the protocol which Corey suggested, which you increase your cannabis use, Mm -hmm. you uh, will be even in better shape uh, then than you are today. Oh, I hope she's right. <laughs> no, Corey's always right. I hope I'm right. I'm always right. Uh, <laughs> She'll tell you. No, I, <laughs> I'll be back in a couple of years telling you I'm clear. <laughs> oh, yeah. That. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, interviewed, I think, by last count, over 20 people who've had brain cancer. And mm-hmm. every person is alive today. That's outstanding. And, and I mean, I lost somebody to brain cancer in the last in the last year and yeah i mean it's uh it's hard they're not everybody is as receptive to this kind of treatment um but i know i've seen i've seen so much success with it it just breaks my heart when people aren't willing to consider it jj is yeah. is is the, the the threat of death still lingering in the back of your mind on occasion Oh, it does for sure. It definitely uh, creeps its ugly head here and there. I've actually had some kind of issues with panic attacks and things like that surrounding that area. So it's the only kind of place where I've had some issues. But I think that naturally comes with the territory when, um, you know, you're faced with your own mortality and your own fate. You're going to uh, definitely contemplate um, death and what that's going to look like for you. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, I'm trying not to uh, fear it because it's something that we're we all do. Um, so uh, it's just a matter of when. But I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. Fantastic, good response. <laughs> yes, JJ, have you got anything uh, you'd like to say in conclusion to our listeners? Um. Well, I just like. I I wanted to touch uh, quickly just on um, like the Cannabis Coaching Institute um, because all of this ended up bringing me to this school. 
um, that uh, taught me so much about like how cannabis can benefit the body. And so now I'm going to be uh, working with uh, other patients and uh, clients, I guess uh, clients, um, uh, to help them with their cannabis needs. And I actually just uh, started, I just met my first client that I'm going to be working with who is a, a, a patient with cancer as well. So I'm really excited about that and the potential to use my own healing experience to uh, to help other people. So I just wanted to share that as well. Mm, JJ, great to talk to you and we wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for all that you guys do. And we welcome responses from listeners who would like to share their story on uh, cannabis helping them and even saving their life, as we just heard from JJ. And uh, her story and the story stories of others that we have broadcast on our podcast uh, can help someone around the world. And many people have told us that uh, they've been assisted by our podcasts, and we'd like to thank them for listening. And we'd like to thank those of you who have supported us. There are a few ways you can do that. You can become a monthly subscriber for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page. And you can also make a one-time donation through our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And you can also spread the word about our show on uh, social media. And uh, we'd like to get as many listeners as we can understanding and appreciating the health benefits of cannabis. We're very grateful for your support, and thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.